0: Log Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Now, on Tuesdays is when we do the show, From the Pulpit to the Couch, where you normally receive biblical teachings from someone in ministry, as well as talk to myself, Jeanette Abney, a licensed marriage family therapist. Now, tonight's show is going to be a little different because I am going to be interviewing a special guest, by the name of Dr. Gail James. And Dr. Gail James is an acclaimed clinical Christian therapist, as well as an inspirational speaker. Now, she basically, when you're talking about being an inspirational speaker, there's different types of speakers that speak on a lot of different things. And we're going to be helping individuals as it relates to the healing process in regards to healing from trauma. Because trauma can affect individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be talking about the different types of trauma that an individual can experience. The trauma can be acute, it can be chronic, or it can be complex. We're going to be talking about the symptoms, the symptoms can range from intrusive memories of something that has happened, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mood, and changes in physical and emotional reactions to things. Now, with Dr. Gail James, when she signs on, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's going to be she's going to call in, she's going to be talking about her personal tale of her triumph over trauma and sexual abuse. Now we know that when individuals have experienced some type of trauma, especially sexual abuse, it can be devastating. Some individuals can experience it at a young age, as a child, while others can experience it through some type of rape, even if they're in the military, spouse rape, these things happen. It only don't happen to just only women, men can also be raped, Now, with her telling and sharing her story, we're going to be talking about how do you rise from your pain and find your purpose? Because when things happen in life, we wonder, where's God? Why did this happen to me? Where was he when I was in trouble? And who am I now? Meaning the person that you are becoming. So she's going to be sharing, like I said, her personal tale in regards to how she found the courage, her vision driving spirit behind the trauma to triumph, her lifeline for healing and growth, and yes, it takes a lot of courage. And I commend her for that. And I am very excited and waiting on her to join as she talks about from in regards to From the Pit to the Pallet, which is expected to be released on Friday, September the 15th, 2023. Now, if you wanna call in and you wanna join in on a conversation, give me a call at 516-387-1914 because I definitely want to hear your thoughts. If you are a victim or a survivor from sexual abuse or trauma. Now, we have someone calling in right now. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Number ending in 4022. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I am well. I'm waiting on the young lady to log in as she is going to be interviewed today and talking about the book. Now, when we talk about what we're going to be talking about is rising from pain to purpose because a lot of individuals have experienced a lot of different types of trauma and a lot of different types of pain. And we're going to be talking about it from many different perspectives because, like I said, there's different types of trauma and especially sexual trauma. And even when finding your purpose in life, meaning she said, okay, girl, I'm here trying to get in. Let me see if I can lock her in. I guess you gotta. Ooh, she says she's trying to get in, and I'm trying to click her in. I was told that Facebook has been doing some really interesting stuff. Okay, Gail, it looks like I'm clicking on here to try to send you in, and it's not letting me do anything. I'm liking. Is there a button, Gail, where it says you can request to be added in? Because I'm clicking, trying to normally when it say add the person in, it won't let me do it. And I'm just clicking. Okay, Gail, I'm going to need you to just call in. Give me a call, 516-387-1914. Stay on Facebook so we can see if we can try to get you in here because for some reason it's not letting me. I just say, it just says that I'm here trying to get in. And it used to be a little button where you could, not a button, but a thing that you would click on it and it would say, join in, log in to guests, and it's not doing it right now. Okay, again, we're waiting on our individuals to call in at 516-387-1914. So, Christina, What is your, what would you like to, or what was your interest in this show? And I know you're a frequent caller and calling in, but why, what what about this topic that kind of interests you? Um,
1: Different types of trauma and um, experiencing how people are, different people are handling certain types of trauma. Mm -hmm. But um, not necessarily, in, in my situation, it's more of a loss of a child and loss of a spouse Uh, Mm -hmm. as a trauma, you know, um, because I think that even though someone dies, it's still a trauma to some people. I have a daughter who's, you know, it's been almost, it's been over four years, and she's just now falling apart, finding out that she's never really dealt with grieving, so she's traumatized, Mm -hmm. so... I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out, well, I even sent this to her, and I don't know whether she's going to, you know, log yeah. in and listen. I asked her to, or click mm-hmm. on life. So, yeah. uh, so I just interesting to see what different people have to talk about different traumas and okay. how they're handling them.
0: Thank you. Okay. All right. Dr. Gail James, how are you doing? And welcome to the show.
1: I'm, I'm doing well
2: tonight. I'm doing well.
0: You know what, normally on Facebook they'll let you, like, join in, log in, and, and for some reason I'm just pressing a button and I ain't doing nothing tonight. So I don't know what's going on with mm-hmm. this. So, but you yes, know what, I'm not worried about I know, yeah, I know, and I heard you on your makeup and you get mm-hmm. beautified and they already saw your pictures so they can see how beautiful you are and how you have actually, when we talk about, dealing with trauma and how it can affect individuals mentally as well as physically. Like I said, Dr. Gail James is an acclaimed clinical Christian therapist and an inspirational speaker. And tonight she's going to be sharing her personal tale of her triumph over trauma and sexual abuse, and she's going to be coming from more of a survivor's perspective as well as she's also a clinical therapist. We're gonna be talking about her visionary drive and spirit behind the trauma to triumph and how she went from healing to growth in regards to rising from her pain to her purpose. Because you know, there's a lot of individuals that are living in pain. And when we talk about PTSD, we know that it's post-traumatic stress disorder and the stressors that occur, the memories that occur, what it reminds you of And it's not just the event within itself, it's how you felt when the event occurred. Now, with your book, Dr. Gail James, From the Pit to the Palace, what inspired you to write that book?
2: Well, I I think what inspired me to write the book is that um, I I went through the trauma and got my healing, and then once I got my healing, I was ready to, tell the story because I realized that so many other people are dealing with these same issues, but many of them, much like myself, it was dealing with shame and guilt and rejection and abandonment and and self-blame and low self-esteem. And so I wanted to be the voice that I needed when I was going through. So I want to be that for other people.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've heard it be said that you are as dark as your deepest secret. And like you said, a lot of times when things of that nature occur, some people hold on to, and I tell individuals, guilt is what we feel. Shame is what people want us to feel. And when individuals have been traumatized or sexually assaulted, there's a stigma attached to that to where it can affect individuals. When we talk about people's mental health, when we talk about addiction or addictive behavior, some individuals can disassociate, and some individuals may have difficulties loving or being in a healthy relationship. Now, when you experience your sexual trauma, I'm going to ask you, what was your age? How old were you when this happened to you? It started
2: around six, seven years old, and it ended at the age of 10. I was almost 11. Um, At that point, I went to school, and I was bleeding, and I did divulge. um, Well, my teacher saw the blood and stuff and took me to the nurse's office, but I I didn't divulge it to her. I divulged it to the nurse, because me and the nurse had a very close relationship, and the nurse, in turn, called the authorities. So, I was 10, I didn't quite know what was going on. I saw three three unmarked detective cars roll into the school and I was like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. And needless to say, they called my mom. And um, you were saying something a bit earlier. And I think that is so profound because I say this all the time when I speak. It's Mm -hmm. not so much the trauma, but the response to the trauma. I think I would have been Oh, I would have, it would have made my healing process a lot easier and a lot smoother and a lot quicker if I didn't have the response I had from my mom. from my 21-year-old brother at that point to admit, yes, I did it. And she turned around and said, you weren't a good-for-nothing dog. You knew what you were doing and you wanted it. That was where all of the abandonment, the rejection and the guilt and the shame came from if her, if her response was different, yes, the trauma occurred, but I think I'd have healed a lot quicker because I'd have had that support. Mhm And you
0: know what and support is huge and a lot of times individuals keep things a secret because they don't want to embarrass the family or they have been told that if you say something, nobody's gonna believe you, I'm gonna kill you or I'm gonna hurt somebody. And because of that, they hold on to that secret. And most people don't realize that most sexual assaults occur in the home with siblings or with family members and parents. And a lot of times we expect strangers, not always strangers. Nine times out of ten is somebody we know. Now, when we talk about these things, now I've trained as a sexual assault response individual, and I'll never forget the first call that I went on after they were telling me, oh, Jeanette, you're never going to get on any calls. You know, it was a call of a 15-year-old who was sexually assaulted at a party. And so what you're saying is this was within a family member, and a lot of times individuals don't know how to tell their story because they're scared and especially when they're kids. Now, from what I'm hearing you say, because I haven't read the excerpts of the book, I just got a lot of information off of the internet in regards to it. it, is like this happened with your 21-year-old brother and the response from your mother. Now, if you are a parent out there, it's very important that you be aware of the signs and the symptoms that something is going on with your child. Dr. Gail, and I know you are a therapist, what are some of the things that
2: a parent should watch for a parent should watch for your children being hesitant to go with certain people being hesitant to be left alone with certain people watch their facial gestures watch their watch their watch their behavior their body if they if they get closed off hold their hands up and back away Take that into notice. And also listen to your children because um, the the if you can't see it, then you can hear it. Even if they don't tell you the entire story, they might just say, I don't want to go. I want to stay with you. No, I want to stay with you. Those things doesn't necessarily mean immediately, but it means you should keep your eye out and be aware, be more aware as to, okay, why every time I'm leaving her with this certain person, or him with this certain person, they're making it very clear. They don't want to stay. They want to go with mom. It's not always that I just want to be with mom. It may be I know what's going to happen when mom leaves, Mm -hmm. you know. So these are some things you could look at. Look at how they're sleeping. Their sleeping patterns change. Their eating patterns change. All of these things affect them because the mind, you know, your behavior starts from your thoughts. And what mm-hmm. your thoughts are will develop into your behaviors, and so it's very, it's very important to stay very aware of your child's behaviors.
0: Mhm. And that is huge. And even though with the post-traumatic stress disorder and sexual difficulties, and you know some of the things is if your child becomes overly promiscuous or starts withdrawing, and like you said a long time ago, they say, "Oh, go over there and get a grandpa or a kiss." over there to the uncle's lap, mm-mm, mm-mm, we are doing all that. You know, when you start looking at, some, sometimes you say pelvic pain, or um, having um, discharges, STDs. These are some of the things, um, kids exhibiting excessive masturbation. Those are just some of the things you may see in younger children. But then you've got older children and teenagers that will also may experience certain things, and we want to make sure that we're not missing it and overlooking it. And a lot of times, and depending on the culture too, sometimes parents may not know what to do, or it may have happened to the family or the mother or the father, and it's like something that's going on from generation to generation, but it, it has to stop. It definitely has to stop. Now, I want to put this out there because, There is what's called the National Sexual Assault Hotline. If you have been assaulted or is dealing with symptoms or a child or someone you know, the number to call is 1-800-656-4673. And you know, Dr. Kell James, and you said the response that you got. Some individuals have held on that secret for you and never said a word. Or when they decided to say something, so much time has went by to where a lot of individuals don't know what to do. And even with us being mandated reporters, there's a process of if a person is exposed to other children in regards to what's reportable and what's not reportable. Now, I want to go off some things and it says that Some examples of sexual trauma, examples include abuse, and it could be sexual assault, rape, sexual abuse, stalking, sexual harassment, street harassment, childhood sexual abuse, um, human sex trafficking, which is huge, online sexual harassment, and sexual violence in relationships. Those are some of the things that fall under that. But I want to tap into not only just your book, but I want to be able to help individuals as they're trying to heal from the experience. What is something you would have wanted your mother to have done differently or said differently when you experienced this from your older brother?
2: Um, there's a, There's a whole list of things, but I think the first thing would be, I wanted the response to be different. And I absolutely thought it was going to be different because my brother owned it. But the response is so important because that response caused my mother to die and not know about two of the brothers that had molested me. Her response was towards me, made me uncomfortable and not feeling like she's a safe place to talk. My mom should have been a safe place for me to say that. Not only is she not a safe place, I have 11 siblings by my mom. I'm child number 11. My mom has 12 kids. Well, I'm the black sheep of the family. No one speaks to me anymore because i told the family secrets. I'm okay Mm -hmm. with that because I'm the generational curse breaker. I know that my mother maybe went through some things in in her own life, and she wasn't able to get over it, so that was her reason for not um, having the right response. But the responses I wanted was like a hug. uh, uh, Mm. It's okay, we're going to get through this together. I got none of that. Actually, the state, the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands told her they're going to give her a week to sort it out because we both lived in the home, and they didn't hear back from her. And they came to the house a week later, and they said, since you're going to choose your adult child over your minor child, we're going to have to take her. And they told me, Gail, put your shoes on. And they took me to... I went from the park to the front end because I went to a, a group home for bad girls. They were sneaking men in the window, sleeping with them on the same bed with me. So it was like I didn't, I didn't do any better, any better. I mean, I wasn't getting abused, but I was not in the right environment. So I just mm-hmm. wished my mother had stopped for a minute and just listened to the fact that my brother said, yes, I did it. I'm sorry. And, Hugged me, or kissed me, and said, "I'm so sorry. We could walk through this together." You know, I, I, I'd have been, I'd
0: have been okay with that.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Now, you say you would have been okay with that. Now, when we talk about this type of abuse, I it's reminding me I saw something on Facebook where a young lady was having difficulties with her mother, and her mother was dealing with domestic violence, and. Her mother was dealing with some issues, and the young lady, like you said, the black sheep of the family, and on Facebook she was sharing how she basically was being teased that you and your mother had the same father, where the mother was molested by her father and had her child and was abusive towards the child, but she took her pain and then turned it into trying to help other children, and other kids and she was glad to get out of the home and to go into the foster care system. But you said something about your mother passing away because sometimes that stress, those secrets can kill you. It really can. It could develop like a cancer. Now you have the courage. Now I was a, previously a, a social worker and a lot of children are placed in the Department of Child Welfare for abuse, abandonment, neglect, and for sexual molestation. Now, when you said that she, did you really feel that your mother chose her son over you? Or when you say that, what was your perception with that? Or was it the language by hearing other adults say that? Because you said all I wanted was a hug, be acknowledged, or to know that you love us both? Or that you're willing to help me? Because you've got a 21-year-old
1: Living in a home, and apparently something was
2: wrong with your
0: brother in regards to the mm-hmm. behavior. Yes, it, it Yes, it was actually three of
2: them, and they, um, you know, um, I I feel like my mom, and I didn't find out find out until years later. I have a very intimate relationship with God, and I I ask God, I needed to forgive my mom. I needed to forgive mm-hmm. my mom. I needed to forgive my brother. And so I was asking God, like, what is this? Because I don't understand it. Like, ever since I opened up my mouth, nobody in the family loves me. Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to deal with me. I mean, it's hard to have. It was six girls, six boys, and I'm the only one. I'm the outcast because I'm the only one that opened up my mouth. So I wanted my mom to kind of stand along with me and say, you know, tell him like what you did was wrong, and okay, dear, we're gonna we're gonna work through this, and I'm gonna make sure you know whatever has to be done with him be done with him, but I'm gonna make sure you're okay. I didn't get that. I feel like later on I understood better because God God showed me her life. My mom has twelve children by maybe seven different people. So God had to show me like the same promiscuousness you went through, look at your mom. She went through it. She just wasn't brave enough to speak on it. You were brave enough. So it was me looking at her life and being, wow, okay, so this is where her pain, she's dealing with me. She's parenting me from a place of pain.
1: Mm -hmm. And so I look at her pain.
2: God had me look at her page. And even the black sheepism, I was like, I don't understand, God. I do not understand why, of all her children, I'm the one that she just cannot stand. And he took me back to when my mom would take us to Dominica to where her her mom lives, and she would line all 12 of us up to kiss my grandma. And my grandma would push all of us aside until she gets to this one specific grandchild, kiss her, and then come back to us. He said, you see that very thing? Your mom was the black sheep. So your mom's parenting is directly from her pain. She's parenting from her pain. And so I was able to forgive my mother for an apology I'll never get. At that point, I didn't want an apology. I just wanted to love her and forgive her.
0: Well, you know, one thing is I've learned that sometimes parents don't know no better. They're not perfect. They don't know any better. And I like what you Uh said about parenting from pain because there's a lot of people that parent from pain because they don't know what to do. And especially if they're dealing with children that have special needs, that's developmentally delayed, that have been traumatized, that have experienced some type of of disability, they don't know what to do. And especially when you're having all those children, and especially if you've been a victim or a survivor of some type of abuse yourself. Now, Are you married, and what areas did this impact you and your development with relationships with others in regards to your healing process?
2: Well, it impacted me very gravely to the point where I almost lost my life um, many times over because what happens is when you're sexually abused as a child, your self-worth, your self-confidence, you 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 lack trust, people tell you you're worthless, you're never going to be nothing. The guilt, the shame, all of that causes us to make bad decisions. So what I did was I continuously picked men that was not I just wanted somebody to love me. so if you just walked by and say I was cute, you would be. you know, and so unfortunately, those were not the right people. so I ended up in relationships. I got kidnapped at gunpoint with a 12-gauge and a 9-millimeter for a week. I got hit in the head with the back of with the 9-millimeter. I got um, somebody else tried to drown me in a pool. I can't swim. They hold my head under the pool. Somebody tried to throw me out of a moving vehicle going 65 miles an hour on beeline highway. And I look back at these things because I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? But I understand I was dealing with self-sabotage. I was dealing with low self-esteem, and I was dealing with lack of confidence, guilt, and shame. I thought that's the best I can do. So here I am getting beaten for a whole week after being held in this man's apartment, and I couldn't take it no more. I went in the bathroom, and I took a whole bottle of Tylenol, and nothing happened. I just threw up, and I happened to see some bleach under the sink, so I drank bleach. In my mouth, my throat got on fire. But I just wanted to, I just was like, God, I can't take this no more. If this is what you put me on the earth for to just be abused, I'm out. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And so these are direct decisions that directly correlate with the childhood sexual abuse. Because I don't think for a minute if I had not been sexually abused that I would have thought that I was deserving of these kind of people. And I stayed in it so long. It almost makes me, now that I think about it, like, like what was I thinking? Like, like what was I thinking? But but when, you're, when your self-esteem, your self-worth is under your shoe, I mean, hey, it, you know, that's what you do. And so I made all these bad decisions. My first abuser ended up being the father of my daughter. And because of the abuse, my daughter was born when I was six months pregnant. She was only two pounds at birth. She was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. They said she wouldn't live past one. She's 33 years old, but she's still in a wheelchair and still in diapers. Um, It it just, unfortunately, you know, these traumatic experiences have detrimental consequences.
0: Because even with the child, it can lead to chronic stress um, in regards to chronic exposure to violence. So it is a, definitely a vicious cycle, and help is available. And, you know, and the sad part about it is, you know, I've heard people say the system is broken, the system is broken. And you've got individuals working within the system that may have not healed from their past, and their perception and the way they view things can be a little distorted and individuals are finding it very challenging to weed out what's their stuff versus what the client stuff is, is where I see a lot of the disconnect. Now, you indicate, and I want to go back a little bit in regards to you being a clinical Christian therapist. Now, I know my story about being a therapist. What made you want to become a therapist?
2: I, I wanted to be the me that I didn't have, um, the the person, the me that I didn't have when I was going through. So with all my going through, with the depression, with the suicide attempt, with the low self-esteem, abandonment, rejection, I, I, I just, I felt like I was, I was, I'm in the Virgin Islands, the Virgin Islands, my island is 32 square miles, and, I have all my siblings living there, and I'm homeless, hungry, until I eventually got my own little apartment. I'm 14, paying $250 rent a month going to high school. So I wanted to be that person for other people. And, you know, it didn't dawn on me, as you say now, why did I become a therapist? I sat on a panel on three different occasions here in Jacksonville, Florida, with some other therapists and um i said something and they was like what i said um yes yeah, some of my my clients that are dealing with severe trauma i give them my cell phone number but i have two cell phones i have one that you know private and i have one so i give them that and they was like you give call the ambulance what's wrong with you i say i'm a different type of therapist i said because uh-huh. at the end of the thing, i said i thought so they called me the uncommon therapist that's what they call me they say i'm the uncommon therapist I was like, at the end of the day, you know, I know how I was in despair. I was distraught. I was depressed. I was suicidal. And there was nobody. And so I wanted to be that for people. And though some people think it's strange, two people are are still alive today because they were able to call me in the middle of the night, got up, ran to them. One was a veteran, had a gun to his head. And he was smart enough to call me. He's still alive. And I had another young lady that ran across four lanes of traffic Christmas Eve. And I got to the scene, and she was mad they didn't hit her.
0: I'm going to say this, Dr. Gail James, because sometimes in this field, because people go into this field for different reasons, and we need that unorthodox. Mm -hmm. We need that person that go get down and dirty with you. I tell individuals, my calls are forwarded from my office to my cell phone. And so I get all Mm -hmm. of the phone calls. If you call the Center for the Treatment of Addiction or if you call J.A. Precious, Inc., you're going to get me because it's forwarded to my phone. But by that same token, a lot of times most people think people don't care. And it's not that people don't care. Sometimes people don't know what to do. And sometimes when you're in your pain, stuck in your pain, it's kind of like the fight, flight, or freeze. And sometimes be careful because you're dealing with different type of personalities. You know, you're dealing with the borderline personalities sometimes, the avoiding personalities, the antisocial personalities. You're trying to work with the trauma. You're looking at the baggage. And, you know, when, we came, when they came out with the ACE, and with the ACE you were able to, which is the adult severity um, abuse, when you're able to look at the different traumas the things that people have experienced. Look how long it took for somebody to come up with that. But yet, nobody knew. Things were such a secret for so long. Now, you're talking about the Virgin Islands. Even here in the United States, when I grew up in Compton, California, I had so many childhood friends that was being molested, sexually assaulted, even in my family, I didn't even know what it was. I had no idea. I was just one of them kids that they knew, don't mess with that one because she ain't playing, you know, this is the one that going to be a good victim. So what kids are able to look, and they can tell, but like you said, well, you want to be loved, you want to be accepted, you got all these siblings, and your siblings that don't want to hurt you. It feels like you're trapped. It feels like you're stuck. And sometimes we say, why me, Lord? And then they say, well, why not you? It doesn't mean that these things are supposed to happen or are not going to happen, but it gives you a testimony to go share and reach out and help other people. Now, Christine, I know you're still on the phone. Do you have any questions for myself or for Dr. Gail James as she's talking about her triumph of what she went through and her healing process? And if anybody else has any questions, give us a call at 516. 516- three seven one nine one four. Because you've got to release your pain and find your purpose. We all have a purpose. We all have a gift. Don't let nobody take away your power.
1: Christine, do you have any questions? Yeah, I um I listened to what she said and um I've never really discussed this with so many people. Um but something Similar to that happened when I was like 18, but it wasn't, it was It a was, um, friend of my mom, and the bottom line was she didn't believe it when I went to her until he tried it with my brother, and then she believed it, and I could never forgive her for it. And I was so mad at the whole world, like I can't believe it, and I even thought God, I don't believe it, it didn happen. I don't believe it. you' just let this happen so but bottom line was i mean we went we went to court and everything I mean, Nick came out, but i she came to me years later and said, "I'm sorry, I never believed you and I said, well, I appreciate that, but I really could never, totally, I don't think, forgive her because it took so long for her to, and until it happened to my, and then she made a big deal about it, put her foot down. But, and then in the end, this gentleman who was a friend of hers ended up having a problem, like, Drinking and alcohol, and this is how strange it is: is that I'm the kind of person I am because I have a heart of gold. Um, years later, I mean, lots of years later, he, um, my mom, felt sorry for him because he had nobody, so she he let her, he, she let him stay at like her casitas on her property but she was with somebody a significant other. Um Mm -hmm. my father died when I was young and and she never remarried but um she stayed so anyways, what happened was one day, you know, I just was like, I can't even believe you're gonna let him stay there, okay? After it I mean it was enough of me, but then my brother. I'm like, okay, so whatever. So, but one day she called me up because she was far away and said, I need a, I need a favor from you. I need you to go to my house because I can't get a hold of, I'm not going to say the name, the person. And I'm like, are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I did it. And I did it. Okay. I was going to do it. But I, and my husband actually went. And my husband knew about it. I mean, I told him about it. Bottom line was, he got there, and the guy was on the floor bleeding out, mm. and I told my husband, my husband was like, he's telling me not to call 911. Now, you know I was a nurse, and I'm like, I don't care what he's telling you, you call
0: 911.
1: Okay? You call
0: 911. You got background
1: noise, you uh, so I said that. Because so
0: he probably just wanted to die.
1: And I said, you got to call 911. I don't care if he dies, but he ain't going to die in that house. You got me? Because I've come to that house. He's like, okay. So anyways, in the end, this man had nobody. And I knew how it worked. So when I, of course, in the emergency room, I went in and just said I was his daughter. Don't ask me why I just said that. And then in the end, they found out that I wasn't his daughter. And But I said, well, listen, then take my name off everything. But you know what? Uh, let him die. Because I really don't care. <laughs> and I'm only doing this because I did it for my mom. And I don't even really know why I'm doing it. I said, because if you knew the whole story, you'd think I'm out of my mind. The doctor just kind of looked at me. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, so in the end, um, I called my mom and I said, He's probably got a few days to live, so I suggest if you want to sit here, but if I'm for you to ask me to sit here with him until you can get here, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. Well, I ended up doing it because I I couldn't let anybody be by themselves to die, and even after what this man tried to do to me, he didn't really succeed. He tried, but and he made his attempt, but and I don't know how I would have felt if he'd actually, you know done you know what had what she's talking about but anyways but it, that basically that's that how I handled that but, but and then the pain but the pain of somebody dying it was terrible because I told God I'm a terrible person because I was glad he was dead yeah and then and, I stopped making I got punished for feelings? my husband dying
0: those are your feelings mm-hmm. and you do not have to deny that feeling but well, forgiveness is a choice. It is a choice. And as I'm doing this show, and I'm feeling all this energy that I'm feeling, and even before I did the show, and, um, and I know that we're talking about it from different perspectives, and the trauma, and trying to find the purpose. In my professional capacity, I not only work with victims that have been sexually assaulted, I work with perpetrators Adults, and the the thing that I've noticed.
1: Um, actually the 20, I think 21 years ago, I took in a, I think you knew I was a foster parent, right? Mm -hmm. One of the first cases that I, the second cases that I got was a sexual assault case. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, I fought for that kid like you would never believe. I went, I said, And it was an adoptive parent that adopted this child and then he molested her. And they wanted to set up visits. I said, that ain't going to happen over my dead body. Got it? And I hadn't been a foster parent for very long. So, of course, I took a lot of people off because I went to court. I said, I mean, it was a pretty... but it triggered. I think that the whole thing triggered something. When you're talking about it, it made me think about when you said, "How did I, you know, how did I handle it?" I was so passionate for this kid, okay. Mm-hmm. And she's now 27 years old, and I still mm-hmm. have contact with her. She never okay. went back. She never got to go back. But what's interesting is that she actually stays in contact with the mother. Mm-hmm. And she actually moved back in with them when she had a child. I thought I was going to die when that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And
0: the thing is, too, it's a known environment. So, Dr. Gail James, I have a question, because when we're talking about this healing process, and a lot of times individuals don't know unless they experience, because, like you were saying, all you wanted was something from your mother something from your brother. Sometimes we want something from society, something from our communities, because you don't want to walk in guilt and shame and blame and self-medicate and self-harm. What made you, Dr. James, get to that part where I need to heal? I'm not going to hurt me. I don't deserve this. When did your healing start? At what point?
2: I think I kept trying to buy my mother's love. I I, I um I was very successful. Um, in the age twenty three twenty four. I owned my own my first business, I was making over six hundred thousand dollars a year, so I was well off. And I remember buying her five cars. I bought her every church outfit she won. all I was doing though was trying to buy her love. So when mm-hmm. I realized I was not only doing that to her but I was doing it to my siblings. My siblings didn't like me but they just wanna call me for money. And I would give it. Mm-hmm. With no question, whatever they want, I would give it. And after a while I sat down and I was like I think it was my son that brought it to me. he was like, man, bitch, every time you get on the phone with them you're you're miserable, you're crying, you're what like like what is the purpose of all this? And I had to take a look in the mirror. And I was like, you know, I give these people access to me because I so want their love and their affection and their approval. But everybody's living their best lives and they're mad at mm-hmm. me while I'm miserable because I did, because I told the story. And so yeah. after I yeah. told the story in childhood, i shut up. But my healing came at that point because now I was like, okay, it's not about them. It's about me. Because yeah, what it go. goes down as is not what it comes up as. It goes down as um, insecurity, abandonment, resentment, um, uh-huh. you know, trust issues, but it comes back up as anger and rage uh-huh. and frustration and stress and and not being able to focus and concentrate. And so at uh-huh. that point I decided I got to heal, not just for me, but for my children. And once yeah. I decided that, started my healing journey, forgiving, deciding I'm going to create healthy boundaries. I'm not going to disassociate. I'm not going to be fight or flight. Every time something happens, I'm not going to take off and run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I make a safe place where I can feel safe and comfortable away from all the noise. And so I start affirmations. I did everything, prayer, meditation, I, you name it all, You therapy. I did it all because I understood that the, it wasn't the trauma that was hindering me, it was the consequences of the trauma there that was there you hindering
0: go. my growth. It was, that we was have what was calling growth. in. Let me see what this person, if they have any questions. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, Love Talk Radio, number in at 3055. Do you have any questions or what would you like to add to the show as we're talking about from the pit to the palace and healing from trauma? Number in
1: and in thirty fifty five. This is a very powerful
0: message. Okay, well thank you for joining in because this is something that not only affects females but men too. A lot of men suffer in silence when it comes to sexual trauma because sometimes it can have no question their sexuality. It can have they can become impaired, come <laughs> Being intimate with a, another partner, these are lifelong effects that can happen until you, a person, get their healing, do their work, set themselves free, because forgiveness is a choice, but healing is possible. You know, we start talking about suicidality or we start talking about drug addiction or self-medicating behaviors. A lot of that starts come from and it's implemented around trauma, trauma. And some people say, "Well, just let it go." No, you don't let stuff go. You learn to work through it to change your perspective of it. So I'm going to ask you, Dr. James I Miguel, mean, just because we lost the caller. What made you change your perspective? Because I could hear you competing for the love. Now it's like sound like you're trying to save your mother but yet you had other siblings that were fighting for her attention too, but you was the one that made it out of the pit onto the palace, so then you become the the ATM machine. But sometimes the parents don't even want that because they're parenting out of guilt, and they still got all these other little kids running around here dragging on their shirt tail too, and they already know what had happened with you so when we talk about these things and talking about your perspective, perspective of it. I, I didn't hear that. Your perspective. Your perspective of your situation. And I see the caller is that Because we, in order to heal, we got to look at it from a different perspective. If we look yeah. at it as a problem we're going to treat it as a, a problem.
1: Yes. If our perception yes. changes and our core belief
0: system change, then it can help us start our healing process. When we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, when we see how this is holding us back from, like you said, telling our story, writing our books, going out, reaching, and connecting with other individuals, because I can take what I learned and like I said, working with both men and women. And then take that out so that individuals can release that mask and say and believe, I am somebody. I am somebody. So tell us, I know we have like seven minutes left. Tell us about your book and the release date. I know the release date is September the 15th, 2023. And it looks like Telisha put on here your um, website, which is Dr. Um, D R period L K James, W dot James dot com. Tell us about your book.
2: From the pit to the package. Okay. So so what so what um my book really details how I turned, which is exactly what you're speaking of. My perspective had to change because I could have sat in the pit and moaned and groaned and wallowed in Woe is me, and this happened to me. But it's like this: makes when life shows you lemon, make lemonade. I choose to think mm-hmm. I was thrown some some bad cards, and I took it, repackaged it, and threw it back out in the universe. Because every single thing I went through is what I'm living now. I own home health care agencies all um over the U.S. Virgin Islands and in Florida because I gave birth to a child. that was born with cerebral palsy and in a wheelchair, in diapers, and I learned how to have empathy and compassion for her. I opened mental health practices because of the childhood sexual abuse, the side the domestic violence. I know what it is to be depressed. I know what it is to need support. I know what it is to heal. I want to heal and not know where to go to get healing. So now I have mental health practices in the U.S. Virgin Islands and in Florida. I have a nonprofit that directly gives back to women that have been through domestic violence and anybody that have been through childhood sexual abuse. We give free counseling. We give free housing for the first 48 hours to get them to a safe, to help them have a safe exit plan because it takes 48 hours to get into a shelter. So we give them those 48 hours. We put them up and we also assist them with the legal process and I do a conference every year in February for these, I pick a certain set of survivors, and we do a conference for them every year. We give away goodie bags. We have a speaker. We give them lunch. And I I just feel like my perspective had to change because either I was going to be hurt and hurt other people because hurt people hurt people, which is what I was doing. I was living out of my pain, and I was bleeding on everybody that didn't cut me. People that didn't cut me, everybody that come close, they got it. Was not Ooh, I like
0: of it that. They got it. I like that. You I said was I was on everybody who didn't cut me. And I want you to keep me in mind when you do these conferences because I do the 52-week batter's intervention program or group, and I'm also president of catva which is a Coalition of domestic violence in Orange County. So I've been in this field and doing the, these in the trenches for over 20-something years, and you speak in my language because this is the only way. I tell individuals, if you're not going to be part of a solution, don't add to the problem. And I do want mm-hmm. you to put out there, because I know you said shelter, that it is hard for people to find some place to go because they don't know where to go. And I like that, that you've been blessed. When they say, why me, why not you, you've been blessed to be able to pull other people out of that pit of hell, out of that pain, out of that um, torment that they're going through when they feel helpless, hopeless, and no one cares. And I commend you for the work that you're doing because that is a lot. I thought I was doing a lot, but, Lord, you're doing a lot. And it sounds like you have great great. A lot of people don't even know that these things are even available. They really don't because they're so busy being lied to, told that nobody's going to believe them. Don't know how to start. And forgiveness is a choice. You've got to let that, you've got to work through it. And I see you just posted on here and it's www.sanctuaryofchange.com for domestic violence and sexual abuse survivors. Thank you for sharing that information. Caller, I see you called back on. Do you have any questions for Dr. Um, Gail James or myself? Because we all have a voice. Do you have any questions? Number and NNN 3055. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I know we only have a few minutes left, and we can go over and people start calling in if they have any questions. If you have any questions, give us a call at 516-387-1914. And you don't have to throw your dirty laundry out there. You don't have to share or tell who did what to you. But I'm going to tell you, that helps with the relief when you can speak about it. When they say no more tears, I'm not going to cry over this, I'm not going to hurt myself for what you've done to me, you know, we don't want to just be pointing the finger and blaming, but there is a process. There is a process. Doctor, um, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about that process, or what that process was like for you? Because I know there have been sleep this night, nice. there have been, I, I'm not suicidal, oh, yes. oh. I'm homicidal, I've been killing the sucker that made me mad to so I killed myself, that I ain't gonna do. Yes. But can you tell us a little bit about your process?
2: I, um, my process for healing, um, it took my kids and my husband sitting me down and telling me, look, just like I said, I'm bleeding on everybody that didn't cut me. Like we get the brunt of it. You get on phone, people, they call you, they call, and then you chew everybody out and you walk around the house, slamming doors and carrying on. And so for me, my process started, okay, girl you got to forgive you first because mm-hmm. I was dealing with guilt and shame because the family made me feel. I, I have an older sister that literally looked at me and said, um, I was already gone from the house when all that happened. Can you tell me? And I told her the whole story. And she turned around, oh, well, I can understand why mom was mad. She was mad because you told the family a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not a secret. Y'all living your best life, and I'm miserable. No, I'm dying on the inside, look pretty on the outside. We're not going to do that. And so I told, so I decided like my perspective, my mind, it has to shift because these people are walking around living their best life, and I'm the only one in this equation that's miserable. So I said, I, I said, okay, you gonna get here. I started praying, I started worshiping, asking God what to do. I started going to therapy. I went to therapy nonstop. I had one therapist moved. I had another therapist, but I I didn't stop. I kept going because I knew that i needed to be healed to be the best version of myself not only for me but for my children for my husband and for everybody i come in contact with because i'm running all these businesses imagine if i was not here I could be leading from a place of pain and not a purpose. When you're leading from a place of pain and not a purpose, you're bleeding on everybody. You're the CEO, and it trickles down to every single body under you because you don't have compassion, you don't have empathy, you have trust issues, you self-sabotaging. Somebody said, oh, Dr. James, I got your back. We got you. We love you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because guess what? The person that should have loved you the most, that gave birth to you, hurt you. Right, so, so how can yeah. you eat these people.
0: There you go. So and my, that, is my, so, my. that is so true. And that's where a lot oh. of individuals go into this field for the wrong reasons, and that is true because when you're looking at these organizations, you got a lot of individuals that are running these organizations that they have not healed from their own trauma, and like you said, they're bleeding mm-hmm. on other people. They're mean, they're rude, they have no compassion. They're going and thinking they're going to make a whole lot of money. And it's not about that. You're trying to save souls and save lives and stop this generational curse from continuing. Now, I know we've run out of time, and what, how can people find you? How can they connect with you if they have any other information or questions for you?
2: You can connect with me at www.drgilljames.com. That is the website. You can also connect with me by calling our office at 704-755-6623. And you can also connect with me by email. That's drgilljames at gmail.com. I'm putting all of it in the comments also. I
0: see, and I appreciate that. And because some individuals will look at the Facebook page on um, Facebook Live and listen to the show that way, or they can Google Jeanette Adney Podcast and listen to the podcast, because you shared a lot of valuable information. And if I can help in any way or speak or whatever the case may be, please keep my contact information because it takes more than just one person because this work is draining. And when individuals yep. are first trying to get help, their defense mechanism is going to kick in because they don't trust anybody. But like you said, if you can't trust your primary care providers or people that gave birth to you, how do you feel you could believe you can trust somebody you don't know? And sometimes okay. it's either and people are getting abused in the church, People are getting abused at school, by coaches, Mm -hmm. by neighbors. The people that you love and trust the most are sometimes people that are are out there hurting you because they've been hurt. So, again, Mm -hmm. if you are a perpetrator, go get you some help. If you are a victim or have been victimized, go get you some help. Help is available. Mm -hmm. Don't be so scared of therapy. But make sure you connect with a good therapist. Make sure it's a good fit because everybody's not always a good fit. So, Doctor, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we end the show tonight?
2: I want to encourage everyone to get the book, From the Pit to the palate: My Journey from Pain to Purpose. It is going to be out on um, January, Lord, September 15th, Friday, September 15th. If the launch date, you can go buy it on Amazon. You can buy the Kindle. You can buy the book. Support, support, but not only support. It's not. It's a. It's not only just a memoir. It gives self help, self help in there. It gives you tools that if you're going through these things, whether it's domestic violence or sexual abuse, it tells some of my story, but it gives you tools to help you to start your healing journey. So that you can get be the best version of yourself. So it was a pleasure to come in on here with you. And um, I have all my information in there. You can get me, reach me on my website at www dot dot com. My email drgailjames at gmail dot com, and the phone number is 904-755-6623. Also, we have our book signing at Malik Books, Culver City, California, inside the Westfield Mall, on the 20th, that evening at 7 o'clock. And so I look forward to seeing everybody, and I thank you so much for your
1: time.
0: It has definitely been a pleasure, and you definitely shared a wealth of information, and I definitely appreciate you. I appreciate you, and I will begin the book. So that I can work with some of my clients that I work with that are going through this. And like I said, a lot of times people don't know what you do. And you don't have to hold on to your pain. Release it. Just release it. You'll feel so much better. And that can help your vision change and your purpose. You'll realize, and with the help of God, why you're here, what you're here for, And then do you do the work? Again, I want to thank you for joining us here at Precious Pedicaments Blog Talk Radio, and until next week, remember, you got this. Now, on Monday, I want to talk about healthy relationships because many individuals are so used to being in toxic relationships or just settling, so we're becoming unhealthy. We're settling for things and being disrespected and disrespecting ourselves and disrespecting others. Because we forgot what a healthy relationship even exists, of. okay? So if you have any other topics you want me to share, give me a call. Office number, seven one four nine nine two one six seven seven, 992 Or you can email me at jabneylmft at com. Again, enjoy your night. And remember, healing is possible. Release the pain where you can go. From the pit to the palace. Again, this is Jeanette Abney, and thank you for joining me. Good night. Good night. Good night.